Do you want me to impress you right now, Josh? Absolutely. Flowbots. No handlebars. Fight with tools. Love it. Um, wait, is this like mid two thousands? Is this like twenty ten when this came out? <laughs> it wasn't recent. I can tell you that. I feel like I was in a big rebellion stage whenever this came out. Look at me! Look at me! Did you um before we dive back into some Oklahoma Sooner football talk and hit your Air Comfort Solutions text? Our theme slash hacky bit of the day is. Who are you most looking forward to on Thursday? What player do you need to see have a breakout game? I think you said it well, Josh. Who do you need to have their Eric Gray Alamo Bowl or their Jalil Farouk Alamo Bowl or Marcus Stripling Alamo Bowl? Hey, I'll defend Strip. I don't think he's been healthy this year. I don't think he's been healthy pretty much all season long. But remember the excitement that generated around him after last year's Alamo Bowl? Absolutely. I mean, he was arguably the best player on the field for Oklahoma against Oregon. So there's no doubt that he generated a ton of excitement with the TFLs, the sacks, and just being a general menace to the Ducks uh, last year in the Alamo Bowl. But it didn't, uh, you know, like you said, whether it was the the injuries or whatever, it it just didn't carry over to this season. By the way... (laughs) I love the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I mean, literally, thank you to Brian Vineyard and and Perry Spencer and Casey Vineyard who thought of this idea because, in all honesty, what what did the Air Comfort Solutions text line used to be, Josh? It used to be a phone in studio, and literally that thing was protected by TJ like it was his personal phone, and you, you were stuck with it. Now, I love that we get to see everything right I, I love that we get to see the hilarity of it and uh the, the 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 infighting that takes place like for instance someone had brought up i saw on ty Wee walker's instagram that so-and-so is uh, tyreek is his family and saying that he's happy literally literally when i said he's, he's pretty much on on the trip right I, I know he's on the itinerary to go on the trip the 405 writes Tywee Walker's Instagram story is a picture of him at the OU team event yesterday. He is with the team. (laughs) Instagram can play tricks on you, people. It can do it. Don't fall for it. There's a lot of different things you can fall for on the uh, the magic of the gram. Um, There's this. Is there a reason nobody answers this question? Is Ameka Megwa eligible to play in the bowl game? It's my understanding that he is. Right? It's my understanding that now, semester, you're good to go as the start of the 23 season. I, it's my understanding that he is. But Kenny from the 405, I think you were on about, let's see, let's go here. Um, one, two, three, four, four times asking that question. I'm, I'm pretty sure that he's eligible to play. I'll double dip, I'll double check. But it's my he's not on the depth chart, but I know he's on the trip. So I think at that point, you're able to play. But, hey, what do I know? I just make it up as I go along. By the way, Josh, before we dive into some audio, this is really – you guys are really good on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Let's quickly react to the other big stories in the world of sports today. Number one, 
No more Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. Now, I've done a couple of national shows this week, and I'm still awaiting. I've opened up the phone lines on both Mad Dog Radio, on Fox Sports Radio, and I have promised to push anyone that truly can, can defend and has this take. That Nathaniel Hackett deserved more time. I am so far oh for everything. Now, I had a guy this morning call me on Mad Dog and said, yeah, I think Nathaniel Hackett is terrible, but... And I'm like, wait, you can't, that, you can't caveat. You can't couch it with that. There's plenty of blame to go around in Denver, but what a disaster Nathaniel Hackett was as a head coach, Josh, and now he's gone. Wild. Wild that uh, it went legitimately this poorly just across the board and definitely specifically with Nathaniel Hackett that uh, he didn't even finish the first year. Didn't even make it the whole way through Plank before Denver said, yeah, we, we got to make a change now to uh, expedite this uh, coaching search. It really probably uh, should have known it very, very early on, right, with the, yep. the decision I saw, like you probably out there, the clip of Peyton and Eli and Shannon Sharp making the rounds again of those guys uh, doing the broadcast. You got to call a timeout. You got to get a timeout. And you let the clock wind all the way down, remember, and uh, didn't go for the fourth down, kicked a long field goal. Of course, they – Missed the field goal. I mean, really, from right there, that moment, it was doomed. It just was right. totally doomed. That was the moment whenever, as the head coach, the Broncos took decision-making away from Nathaniel Hackett. About eight games into the season, they took play-calling away from Nathaniel Hackett. Literally, he just had the best seat in the house for every single game. I mean, that, that's literally what Nathaniel Hackett had become. Dude, how bad is it, too? And actually, I kind of understand the why behind it. But when they turn to the offensive coordinator, or excuse me, the defensive coordinator to potentially uh, take over as, as the head coach, he said, no, no, that's uh, it's not happening. <laughs> so it's like, whoa, all right, there, there you go. Um, you keep just defense in that defense. And we'll go find someone else to be the head coach of this team the rest of the way. Hey, it reminds me of one of the greatest movies in the history of ever, Josh. Have you ever seen this incredible movie called Major League? Terrific movie. Yes, I've seen it. Call Lou Brown. Lou, how would you like to manage the Cleveland Indians? And What does he say? Oh, I don't know. Got a guy on the other line about some white walls. Let me call you back, and I'll think about it. It's kind of how I feel like the Broncos defensive coordinator did it, Josh. Hey, how would you like to be the head coach of the Denver Broncos? Eh, I don't know. I guess. (sighs) Unbelievable. Uh, So I noticed – oh, one other note, one other note. Last night, the Los Angeles Chargers clinched a spot in the playoffs for the first time in the Justin Herbert era, and they did it. They did it by beating up on the on the Indianapolis Colts. They're right back on it. Herbert under center. Eckler takes the handoff, lowers the shoulder. There we go. Touchdown, Chargers. Austin Eckler for the second time today. Slam that door shut. Now I want to remind everyone when I say this, um, the Colts beat the Raiders. Jeff Saturday beat the Raiders. Uh, Toby Rowland, one of my favorite people on the planet, if not number one, number one on my friend's depth chart. 
best of friends. He's a Colts fan. So I say this knowing that he'll always have bragging rights over me. I don't know if I've ever seen anything go further south than Jeff Saturday as the head coach has gone. My goodness. Uh, in the last three games, they've been outscored 62 to zip in the fourth quarter. And since he took over as the head football coach of the Indianapolis Colts, Josh, the Colts have been outscored 99-0, 90-9 in the fourth quarter with six of those nine points coming in the first game that he coached. The Colts and their fan base deserve better. It's time to figure out that quarterback situation in Indy. Well, and it's also time to get a qualified head coach, right? I mean, let's just call it what it is. Love Jeff Saturday. Found him to be a uh, well, terrific football player, but found him to be a great media entity as well. Really liked watching him on TV. He's not a head football coach. Not a head football coach. There's other people that have, have worked really hard for the opportunity to be an assistant coach, a position coach, a head football coach. And without any experience, there's a reason why he's not been a successful head football coach. You don't just magically walk in because you were a terrific football player and lead a locker room and execute and put together all these game plans. Maybe there's some people out there that could do that plank, but generally speaking, probably without any work experience whatsoever, you could be the, the greatest sports mind ever, and you're not going to walk in here and grab the microphone and probably be dynamite. just doesn't happen a lot in walks of life that you just magically show up and, wow, look at that. He's a great professional at this, this or that. Generally speaking, probably need a little bit of seasoning, a little bit of experience. Mm. Agree. Hold on. <clears throat> I've, I've steered clear of my Teddy impersonation because I just think too many people use it now. So I know. They've Agreed. watered it down. It's watered down. It's become too popular. I was I was down with the agreed take when it was just a handful of us. I liked them whenever they had their original music. I don't need this mainstream stuff. Sorry. Um, one other note, and I've watched incessant reports on this all morning long. Two is in the concussion protocol. Again, with two games to go, the Dolphins very much control its own destiny to make the playoffs. Here is their head coach, Mike McDaniel, on Tua's concussion I issue. I care very deeply about each and every player. Um, I take that serious. So, you know, I just I just want him to get healthy and have peace of mind in that regard. And that's first and foremost. And then whatever those circumstances are after, you deal with after. But it's about the human being and making sure he's squared away. Yeah. There you go. So... Well, and on that note, why did he finish the game, and when did the concussion occur? Ask that again. Uh, on the note of caring about humans and, uh, you know, protecting Tua Tungabailoa, when did the concussion occur? Okay, at the end of the first half, like two minutes to go in the first half. Sorry. I know what you're thinking. Yes, they put him back in the game. <laughs> so you care about humans so much that you're not even putting him back in the game. Mm. Well, if you're going to say that you care, then have the actions reflect that you care. And I'm not going to sit up here and, and be the person that totally bashes Mike McDaniel or the Dolphins because – Guess what? This is football culture, 
and this is how right. football culture has been. And I'm not going to sit here and live in a world where they're the only offenders, right? But it's time to be better. It's time to be better. Don't don't put him into concussion protocol after the game if he was concussed. Did they not see any signs? I mean, was there nothing? That's so weird, man. I've now his play was terrible, but the, okay. Quick, quick, quick little national sports take, and then we'll get back to the sooner talk. I don't think any of you care about concussions. I really don't. I think everyone wants to act like they care, but in the end, if a guy get a, gets a concussion and he can't play, you don't want him to do what's right for him. It's like, hey, suck it up, Buttercup. Get out there, get it done. Let's go. You don't care. And and for these professional athletes, they can't always be honest, right? Now again. A guy like Tua got a little bit more of a cushion, right? He got that top 10 pick deal, and he's ready to go. So he's, he's, he's set. He's making money. But a lot of guys can't. And everyone's like, oh, you got to let you got to let them know. you got to be honest about it. Why? Risk your livelihood? you got to play through it. And it sucks. But that's the reality of it. That's why... <laughs> Josh, that's why they have another guy watching um, uh, up above that's supposed to be monitoring this so situations like what happened on Sunday don't happen because players don't look out. They're not going to be honest. Why should they? It's their livelihoods. And I hate to say it, but that's the reality of it. And I, with Tua right now going forward, dude, three concussions in that short amount of time, that's that's tough to think about what his future could be. Yeah, no, it's frightening. And, you know, frankly, from a management of its roster standpoint, probably the Dolphins have to be a little mindful of that and thinking about, okay, is there another direction that we're going to need some sort of a backup plan going forward? And Tua, Tua for himself needs to be thinking, okay, how much longer am I realistically going to be playing football? And that's right. okay, right? I mean – Look, I, I get it that uh, he, he has worked his whole life for this, but, man, he has had a scary, scary year. Not good. Not good at all for Otua Tungavaloa and for the Miami Dolphins going forward. So there's a look at some of the stories making national headlines here in Hour 2 of the Plank Show, brought to you by Allison Insurance, 405-745-2968. When we come back, we've got a bit for today. We've been working through this with you. And it's offensive, defensive players that we're most intrigued by heading into the bowl game. Guys that we want to see have their Eric Gray Alamo Bowl performance. Guys that we want to see be Jalil Farouk in the Alamo Bowl this year. Marcus Stripling. Who are some players that you want to see? We'll roll through the list. We gave you our offensive players. Uh, Jake Sexton, who's going to, it appears, based on the game notes, get to start at left tackle. And for me, Jaden Gibson. Uh, Josh will go in depth on his when we come back, but we'll also shift to the defensive side of the football next. He's Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. It's the home of Sooner fans, the ref. Level of excitement, Josh Helmer, for tonight's Oklahoma State-Wisconsin bowl game, the guaranteed rate bowl. Uh, I mean, what, no Mertz, no Sanders? Right. Exactly. I think, I don't know, I, I, I guess 
relative. It's not super high, but it's not super low either. So it's sort of middle of the road. I'll be I'll be interested to watch both Oklahoma State and Wisconsin. So we assume that it's going to be Garrett Rangel or potentially Gunnar Gundy for Oklahoma State with, and again, an unknown at Wisconsin tonight, either Miles Burkett or Chase Wolf. Miles Burkett threw more passes than Chase Wolf did this year, but I don't know what to make. Can I tell you how perplexed I was over this bowl game? In our bowl confidence, uh, in our bowl, I guess, competition, Josh, I have this as my least confident bowl game. Really? Out of everything? Yeah. This was this is worth one point for us tonight. And I've picked Wisconsin. Yeah, good good pick. I just you know, who's to say that one of these Wisconsin guys has just been waiting for his opportunity and he blows up? Or who's to say that maybe in in what Oklahoma State has at quarterback, even though I Unfortunately, we've kind of seen both Garrett Rangel and Gunnar Gundy this year. Who's to say maybe having these 15 practices being the guy hasn't helped them out. I will say, knowing that Oklahoma had been projected to go to this bowl game, I'm very happy that I'm not in Phoenix right now. I think I'm, I, I think I'm enjoying the, the, the fact that we get an extra day our bowl game is in the middle of the afternoon. Kind of get a chance to enjoy it and immerse ourselves in it. Watch along. If you're at work, kind of sucks for those of you. Like, you know, we'll be working too. But, I don't know, I'm really, really glad because <laughs> there had been rumors that Oklahoma could be on their way to Fort Worth. And after watching Baylor and Air Force in frigid conditions, pretty happy we got skipped by for that. Obviously, the... Cheez-It Bowl was well ahead of the guaranteed rate bowl in the selection process. But who knows? Maybe I'll change my tune after Thursday, Josh. Maybe maybe things won't go so well on Thursday. I'm like, dang it. Why didn't we end up going to the guaranteed rate bowl to play Wisconsin? I'll say this. You couldn't have asked for a tougher bit of competition, right? Air Force is, is challenging because they're going to run the ball and run the option, and it's something you don't typically see. But I'd, I'd much rather be playing Wisconsin over having to deal with this Florida State team that appears not only to be coming in on a rocket ship, but also, Josh, they, they look like they're really, based on their fan, based on their ticket sales, based on everything, seems like they're putting a lot into this game, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, sort of based on that and the quarterback, the resurgence, the way that they've finished this season, I think you get more out of it. If you win the game, if you're Oklahoma, from an optimism for next year's standpoint, if you beat, if you had beaten either Air Force or Wisconsin, it's kind of ho-hum, yeah, right. great. You finish with a winning record, and so what, right? But if you beat Florida State and you do, do so with a nice defensive performance, then all of a sudden I think that uh, that does fuel a little bit more excitement throughout the, the offseason. Again, Will not erase six losses for Oklahoma. That much is clear. But uh, because of the opponent, I think it sets you up for potentially an offseason with a little bit more optimism if you can beat Florida State versus if it had been either Air Force or Wisconsin. The one thing with the Wisconsin-Oklahoma State game is, does it give us a little bit of a glimpse at an outgoing Oklahoma quarterback's chances to potentially be the man in Madison? 
Oh, and, and Nick Evers? Yeah. I mean, we're going to get a, a little bit of a glimpse into, I don't know, whether or not he's got a realistic chance to step in and be a starter based on how good or bad we see from Wisconsin at quarterback tonight. You know, uh, someone on the Air Comfort Solutions text line had sent us a, a list of the freshman PFF grades. And the highest graded freshman is a name that I'm over the moon pumped about that hasn't been mentioned in the first hour and 30 minutes of this show. Not once. That's Gavin Freeman, who, without a doubt, had one of the most electric introductions to the Sooner Nation in the history of ever. But it was funny because I was going through this list, and, uh, you know, how about this? Just of these guys that were ranked, Javante Barnes was second. He had the most snaps of the three, six, nine, ten guys on this list, right? 54 snaps for Gavin Freeman, highest rated according to PFF. 193 snaps for Javante Barnes. He was second. Then, I got to be honest with you, Josh, I was blown away by some of these snaps because Jason Llewellyn played enough to get 38 snaps, a lot of those on special teams. Jacob Sexton, 68 snaps. Doesn't seem like he played that much. But of those players in the top 10, all right, here they are. Top 10 players, according to PFF, freshmen, freshmen, top 10 players, who do you think played the second most snaps in this 10 behind Javante Barnes? You ready? I'm ready. Gavin Freeman, Javante, well, not Javante Barnes. I guess this is nine. Sorry. Gavin Freeman, Jason Llewellyn, Jacob Sexton, Jake Taylor, Nick Anderson, Gavin Sawchuck. Caden Helms, Jaden Gibson, or Nick Evers. Of those 10, Javante Barnes played the most snaps as a freshman, 193, and had the second highest grade. Who do you think, not necessarily grade-wise, but who do you think of that list played the second most snaps behind Javante Barnes? Because I won't lie, Josh, kind of blew me away. Was it? Was it? Freeman? It was Jaden Gibson. Jaden Gibson. Okay, that would have been the, the other guess okay. I would have had. I was, I was blown away. I was like, Jaden Gibson played 92 total snaps this year, and that's not a lot. But then you also stop and realize there's the special teams that he was a part of, and there was a stretch where he was getting a few more looks early in the season. I don't know. I just kind of surprised me. That he saw that many snaps. So what do the snaps break down? Like, just read it, read everybody's snaps off to me. Okay, I'm curious. Just, this is, and I don't even know, whoever sent this to me, thank you. Uh, judging by your screenshot, uh, I believe there is a name like Kez. That's a part of this. And if you could. Marquez. Marquez. You are now Marquez. But um, you want to guess on what defensive player real quick played the most snaps? I only have one line. You can send me those defensive snaps, too, if you want, bro. But the most defensive snaps are Mason Thomas, 212 total snaps. So there, there's some perspective for you, all right? Our Mason Thomas is a freshman, 212 snaps. Javante Barnes, 193. Gavin Freeman, 54. Jason Llewellyn, 38. Like I mentioned, Sexton had 68 snaps. Mm-hmm. Jake Taylor had 41. Nick Anderson only saw 11. Now, remember, battled some injuries this year. Caden Helms, I'm shocked by this number. Don't remember seeing him on the field. 31 snaps this year. Three for Kevin Sawchuck, which is why I kind of hesitate and getting too carried away about 
how much you'll see him in the bowl game. I mean, he had three snaps all year long. 92 for Jaden Gibson and six for Nick Evers. Six. And I think all six, six very memorable <laughs> versus Texas. An unnamed member of our of our team made the joke when Nick Evers came into the game late. They said, we really just need him to throw a pick six. And just so that way we don't, <laughs> we don't have to deal with, oh, my gosh, why were they playing Evers? And, so and there's he, just he did snaps. sort of deliver. He, yeah, that's true. He didn't he didn't throw the pick six, but he did have uh, the incompletion you were looking for. Might have been the worst pass of the season. Just saying, might might have been the all time worst pass of the season. All right, so I think Terry. Oh, thank you, Terry. Terry's got us hooked up. Oh, this is good. Oh, this is good, Josh. Defensive side of the football, true freshman, highest graded freshman defender, Jaron Canick, 137 snaps. R. Mason Thomas saw the most snaps for a freshman, the fifth highest grade, 60.6. 212 snaps, a, a bunch. Thank you. No shock, Robert Spears Jennings, second most snaps, Grayson Halton. Wait, hold on, I got that. Third right. most. Third most, Grayson Halton, the fourth. Cedric Roberts had one. He's on his way to Texas State now, where I think he's going to do great things. Uh, Jane Rowe got hurt. Remember, he had season-ending surgery, so uh, he had seen 13 snaps early in the year. Don't think he's going to play. I don't think he's back by now. I think they're looking at getting him back for the spring. So he had 13 snaps. Kip Lewis only had four snaps this year, and yet, Josh, as I sit here on December the what is it, the 27th, I am absolutely over the moon excited about his future. And I look down. I'm like, oh, four snaps. Let's let's go. Looks like this was from all Sooners, so credit to those guys for. Oh, is that where it was? I'm just judging from the SI at the bottom that it, it probably was from from those guys. Um, <laughs> there's there's some defensive guys that, I mean, gosh, that's for freshmen. I mean, to have what one, two, three, four, five guys that had at least sixty snaps is pretty significant. Um, a lot lot of questions about. On the Yeah, no, I was kind of surprised by that, too. A lot of questions on the Air Comfort Solutions text line about uh, new coaches potentially coaching in their bowl game or guys in the transfer portal playing in their bowl game. The new coaches don't take over until after the bowl game, right? Now, they help and they assist. And, you know, you go back, <laughs> the, uh, Scott Satterfield left Cincinnati or left Louisville to take the Cincinnati job, and then those two teams played each other in a bowl game. But neither he nor new Louisville coach Jeff Brom – were involved at all in the bowl game prep or anything of that nature. It's just kind of like BV last year. It was on the sidelines, kind of evaluating the guys, and then, boom, left lane hammer down as soon as that game hit zero on the, on the clock. So, yeah, you're not going to see Luke Fickle at Wisconsin or anything of that nature uh, tonight in this bowl game. But, yeah, no. Um, this is a very long text to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Josh. For all college football fans in Oklahoma, this week will turn into a week of mourning as these young kids decide to desert, as these young kids decide to leave and desert their teams and coaches early for selfish reasons, the real men are left behind to pick up the slack. No longer can college football fans depend on players to complete their commitment to a football university. Now, 
a player gets his backside hurt and can leave any time they want. Hashtag sickening. Anyway, long live Barry Switzer in the wishbone. I think you're still living in that era of Barry Switzer in the wishbone. <laughs> I, I do understand that it, it upsets fans, but I would encourage you, you will be a happier person if you remove this as a week of mourning and just embrace the change of it all. I know that there, there's a layer of some, some form or fashion maybe of truth there, right, to some of mm-hmm. those comments. But the bottom line is this, and I've – we, we said great sports 180s, great sports flip-flops, right, yesterday. And one of them for me is I've just kind of come around to, honestly, you get to see more young players sure. in bowl games. And it's not like, let's be, let's be straight about it, let's be frank here, OU's not playing for a national championship versus Florida State. This isn't uh, your, one of your previous matchups with right. Florida State. This is the Cheez-It Bowl. And it's not the worst thing that we get a – larger look at some of these younger names that we're talking about. And if you just look at the game from that lens, then you will be a happier Oklahoma fan. So instead of turning it again, as you said, into a week of mourning, (laughs) focus on the positives of it. (laughs) Oh, gosh. It is is absolutely, Josh, an incredible divide – between generations of the fan base, right? And you and I are cut from the same cloth on this. We kind of feel the same way. It's like, I'm just going to enjoy football. If these guys want to go somewhere else, I subscribe to the old school Vince McMahon theory. Love to keep you around, but if you're going to go somewhere else, good luck. We'll continue to roll. I'm not saying you have to pander or, or be a jerk or anything of that nature, but on either side of that, I guess. But I just... That's the way you're thinking. How dare you betray us and go somewhere else? Bro, sports ain't going to be very fun for you. <laughs> it's just it's going to become more and more frustrating, and you're going to spend more time talking about the quote-unquote good old days. All right, let me, let me pose one when we come back. Let me pose one and ask, is this an acceptable transfer, or would someone like the previous texter or those who get mad whenever a guy decides to leave a school, would they say, how dare you? Give you the saga of Sam Hartman, more of your Air Comfort Solutions texts, and we still owe you defensive guys that we're excited about seeing in this bowl game. We'll pack it all in the final hour and a half of the Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. How about Bob Stoops breaking news on his YouTube channel? My man is uh, just picked up another subscriber. Drake Stoops. Through Pops announcing that he's returning next year. So one of the one of the big three, right? That were are there a few more here? Because I'm looking at Dylan, Marvin Mims, and Drake Stoops were the three that I look at and think, okay, are they coming back or not? I don't think that there is as far as well, I guess what? Would you throw David Aguebu in that mix? Right? Because he's got a chance to come back. Not worried about him him going pro, but maybe going in the portal and play somewhere else. So maybe he is a fourth or, or even a Woody Washington. Yeah, both of those matter. two names. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, they're starters, key contributors. Yeah. So one of the, I guess you could say, five to six guys that we're kind of teetering on waiting for in 2023 is coming back. And so now you bring back of the guys heading into this game that are your starting wide receivers, 
Jalil Farouk, Drake Stoops, and Marvin Mims. You're bringing back one of the three for now, right? I think we all feel pretty good that if Jalil Farouk was going somewhere, Josh, he'd already be at that place. And now we're just kind of waiting on Marvin Mims. And from everything we've seen and heard, again, no knock on Marvin Mims. It just looks like he didn't get back a draft grade that would lead him to believe it's, it's time to hit the road. Seems that way. And seems that way, right. You know, I, I don't know if on Thursday night if you see Mims have some 200-yard performance with 11 grabs and a couple of scores, if that's enough to change said draft grade enough to change his mind. But uh, we'll see, right? And, you know, I don't know that he's going to have an answer immediately after the game or, or Dylan Gabriel either, right? I mean, they probably need another week. To, to make up their mind. Maybe they don't. Maybe we will get that announcement immediately after the game. But uh, I don't know. I, I doubt I it. Wouldn't it be awesome? Back. We, we, I don't know if we've ever truly had those moments. Boy, I, I know it's, it's treading kind of lightly here, but we were all hoping for that moment last year. We were all hoping that, you know, Caleb Williams as, you know, he was running around the stadium – you know, that that was the moment where he would say, I'm coming back. It was the first time that the media had a chance to talk to him in 2022. You know, I remember waiting outside that locker room late night, right? Waiting outside that locker room, or excuse me, post-game press conference area and just walking and talking with him. And what was it? What did he say? Do you remember? Go to Hawaii with my family and think about it for a while. And then the next thing you know, he's in the portal and, of course, following Lincoln Riley to USC. Now, I don't think this is quite as dramatic with Dylan Gabriel and Marvin Mims because right, we're, all, we're all excited about Jackson Arnold coming in and uh, OU feels pretty good about having a five-star quarterback. You wouldn't want to play him as a freshman. He'd probably be scrambled to try to hit the portal. But in that same vein, it, it's not nearly as dramatic, I think, as what we were dealing with last year. And, yeah, the regime changed, and there were still the hurt feelings about Lincoln Riley. But Josh Marvin Mims is fairly important, right? Not quite to that same level. I don't know if anyone is, especially when said player went on to win the Heisman Trophy. But I get the feeling if Oklahoma wants to be back, Marvin Mims and and Dylan Gabriel being back are a major part of that in 2023. Well, for Mims, if he's not back, then all of a sudden, so far – some of these transfer portal swing and misses sting just all the more, right? Thought you had a chance with Singer. Didn't happen. He goes to USC. Uh, had the crystal ball in there for Harris. Didn't happen. Goes somewhere else. And we'll see. Maybe uh, maybe there's several names that just haven't latched on to Oklahoma yet out of the transfer portal. And there's a lot of moving and shaking that can happen between now and the beginning of 2023 who knows what happens on Thursday night one of these uh, one or a couple of these young receivers if both Gibson and Nick Anderson have huge games for Oklahoma then suddenly that uh, sure settles your stomach a little bit going into next season but where we sit right now I mean it just feels gigantic really that, does. that Mims would would come back and be into the fold to to give you that reliable production returning Dylan Gabriel I mean if he's not back for you, you've got a five-star quarterback in Jackson Arnold. But freshmen, while they're more 
ready, I think, to come in and play straight away now, Plank, than ever before. Just the seven-on-seven culture we have and the language, the terminology is more advanced at a high school level or similar to a college level than I think ever before. But then again, there's only so many true freshmen that can walk into a college campus, even as an early enrollee, and go out and be ready to play college football. So it would calm your nerves a lot if sure. Dylan Gabriel is back. And a lot of things that have happened would lead you to believe that that's how this is going to play out, but we don't know that to be a fact yet. And then, of course, beyond waiting now on Mims, Gabriel throw Guaybu in there, maybe a Woody Washington, we got a good old-fashioned fight going on on the text line. It started with the you know, care more about the name on the back of the jersey than you do the front on the jersey, right? Um, this This was one that kind of just 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 came in and I got a kick out of it our culture at OU is supposed to be special team above all things right but when fans expect our guys to understand the meaning of commitment and finish we are just dissed as old or cranky or whatever it's from chapstick who writes these old get off my lawn guys need to think back to these good old days Here comes my sarcasm, so interpret as you will. We should go back to under-the-table payments that worked really well. We should go back to the days of players committing felonies to pay for their family's survival. And best of all, we should go back to 15 bowl games so we don't even have to discuss opt-outs because we aren't in a bowl. Give me a break. Things change, and just because we don't understand it doesn't mean it's bad. Kids should learn to take care of their best interests outside of your parents' Nobody will be more concerned for your well-being than you are. I laughed until I almost cried when I saw Ari Wasserman's tweet about the Drake May rumors. Did you see the – well, you saw it. We talked about it. But Drake May, I don't remember who started it. I think it was the pit coach, Pat, Mar- Pat Narduzzi. Yeah, had said that he's yeah. got some really large NIL offers to transfer out. Set up to $5 million, right? Now, I love you guys. I, I mean, I love this station. I love Josh. Bro, I've worked my whole life to be able to sell out. And right. if, somebody, if somebody's offering me $5 million to go somewhere else, buy. And I am as passionate about what we do as anyone on the planet. But $5 million is $5 million. Yeah, you'll find a way to broadcast with $5 million. Sure. I can make that work. I'd be good. And as Ari Wasserman said, Rudy would probably enter the portal from Notre Dame if there was $5 million out there. So, I mean, again, you're not wrong in saying that. And I, by the way, I don't think there's $5 million out there. But I don't think anyone is wrong for saying, man, where's the commitment to school? Where's the commitment to your scholarship? Where's your commitment to the amount of time that's been put in here for you and given to you? Absolutely, man. I get that. I feel that in my bones. I understand the frustration. Sometimes it might be a coach saying, it's been a good run, man. Just go ahead and throw yourself in the portal and see what can happen for you. It's not always the player. And sometimes for a player, there is a very legitimate concern about what an injury could do for your overall draft profile. I get it. I understand it. I don't like it, but I, but I accept it. And it sucks. 
but it's what we have right now. Coaches are learning. Old school coaches are dealing with it. Nick Saban can deal with it. I mean, I think everyone else can learn to deal with it. Doesn't mean you have to be happy. I'm not saying you have to applaud it. And I'm not saying that you're, a, you're an old moron if you feel that way. Not at all. But as the great Don Christie once said, we're not putting the toothpaste back in the tube on this one, peeps. And it's only going to get worse before it gets better. Quick break. Up a power two. Top five stories of the day. Right around the corner on the home of Sooner fans. Got a flight tomorrow, Josh. Got a flight. Not overly excited about flying, but I'm grateful that it looks like everything will uh, be set schedule-wise. And the only reason I say not excited about flying is because I, I am a paranoid. I'm a terrible flyer. He's terrified, people. I feel bad from whoever has to sit next to me. But I've got a middle seat. I don't know why you put one of the fattest dudes on the flight in a middle seat, but here we are. <laughs> um, no, and, and it's interesting. I wanted to bring this up because I just feel so terrible, so terrible for those who are, are caught. I think, who was it? Was it Bra- Brazilian Sooner who texted in? Someone had texted in and said their, their son got stuck in an airport and was in the L.A. airport and wasn't able to get home for Christmas. I mean, this is a mess. Hmm. And uh, I hope. I mean, not to just point a finger at one airline, but, but I hope Southwest Airline gets their ass together because, I mean, my gosh, people are stranded in airports, and they got no way out. They're out of rental cars. Hotels are, are, are booked to capacity. I know American Airlines, everyone's had issues with weather, but, whew, Josh, people are stranded all over the country right now. Let's go. We got people that got to get to Phoenix, get to Arizona. We got people that got to get down to Orlando. Poor Ryan Aber, man, his road trip. All right, top five stories today coming up next. We'll hit some highlights. I've got this Sam Hartman saga I want to get into as well. It's a plank show. Top five stories today for Newcastle Casinos next.